Okay, Junction, if we could just take our seats, please. Anywhere you like. Behave yourself. I'd just like to pray for Christine before she brings the word to us. So, Lord God, we just thank you for Christine, Lord. I just thank you for the woman that she is, Lord, for the servant heart that she has, Lord. And we just thank you for the time and effort that she's put in with you to putting what she's going to say to us now together, Lord. And, Lord God, I just pray that you will speak through Christine, Lord, that she will speak your words, and that each one of us will learn something new about you and be touched afresh by you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. So, who likes receiving gifts? Oh, some people do. Right. Over this side, they're not so keen, are they? Perhaps they didn't hear. All right, okay. Well, I'm just going to tell you... Oh, I sound a bit echoey. You sort it out, thank you. Right, well, I'm going to tell you about a present that I received once. It was my birthday, and a very good friend of mine wrapped up a large empty box it's about this big and she wrapped it up in beautiful paper and she gave it to me and I opened it up and I had an empty box but actually I was quite happy with my box and if you keep listening I'll tell you at the end why I was happy with it <laughs> so as we think, we're thinking about gifts of the Spirit. We've got a, um, a series at the moment, and so we're just early days in the series. And last week, Elaine was sharing with us about the gift of faith. Well, my um, talk today is going to be concerning the gift of the word of knowledge. But before um, I unpack any of that, I just like to read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 14, because this is where we find mention of the gift of knowledge and where each week we're just referring back to as our base scripture, okay? So I think at this point I might resort to the spectacles. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. 
to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one of us, just as he determines. The next section is unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, but we were all given the one spirit to drink, and so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So I'm sure you are fairly familiar with that passage. And when we talk about diversity, and I read that, I'm always reminded of diversity, who were on BGT years ago. Anyway, I think we've remembered them. But it was that group, how they worked together. And they were big and small and, you know, remember the young lad with the fuzzy hair? Yes. And they would throw him around. But the whole thing, though everything was moving and was different, and each part, different moves, they all worked in together, didn't they? And as a whole, it was absolutely amazing. And that, I feel, is God's design and desire that his body all works together. And though we all have different parts, and some people, it might seem as you're being thrown from one to another, but somehow God, by his spirit, can make this into something beautiful so that the world can see. Just as everybody remembers and saw diversity working, the harmony that they were, the trust that was there. You know, it was very inspiring. And that's really a picture, I think, of how the Lord wants his people to work together, to trust one another, to trust him, and to let him orchestrate it. Now, of course, that's an amazing picture. <laughs> we don't always live up to that. But I just thought I'd, I'd share that with you. So today I'm going to share some thoughts about the gift of the word of knowledge. Now, I've got some experience with this, and I have been reading around on the subject recently. And I have discovered that there are differences of opinion about this gift. So my prayer is that when I share today, what I say will be helpful and will help us to build up our faith in Jesus Christ, help us to encourage each other. And the Holy Spirit wants to work amongst us and to bless us, but to bring glory to Jesus. Now, I do need two helpers. Actually, I have to be honest, they are pre-arranged helpers. And can I ask you to really take care of this? I will do. And could I ask you to keep listening to me mm -hmm. and the scriptures that are read because that will really help you in using your gift. <coughs> and can I ask you to hold on to your gift for quite a while, but trust... Hold on for quite a while. You will get home in time for lunch. Oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but God will bless you, if you as you're patient with it. Oh, you can sit down. No. <laughs> No, you can't. Sorry, Scott, you have to wait. Okay. Do sit down. Thank you so much. Right, well, keep an eye on them, won't you, folks? No peeping. Scott. 
also, as we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's good to remind ourselves that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Many of us can look back to the way the Holy Spirit was drawing us first to meet Jesus. And then as we accepted Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Lord, our spirit inside was made alive and we were filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in us will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to keep on leading us, but he has chosen to give special giftings or or enablements to people to work in certain ways in the body. The Holy Spirit will lead us all, and especially as we stay and, and to read the word of God. Now, this word of knowledge, one way to view the gift is to say that the word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of information which could not be discerned naturally. It could be, we could say it's the supernatural revelation of God's knowledge communicated to us by the Holy Spirit into our spirit. It's like receiving a special gift, a special inspiration about an event, a situation, the nature of something or a person. Now most of our lives we spend listening and observing information. We, we listen, we look, we observe things and then that's, those things go in through our senses and then we reason in our minds, don't we? We reason and we work things out. But with the Holy Spirit, he's put something deep in our spirit and it sort of bypasses our mind initially. And so God, the Holy Spirit who knows everything, can put into our spirit a particular bit of information or understanding that will really help us. And it comes right into our spirit. So I find that these insights can be used by God as door openers. Um, and so it can open up a situation. Now, Margaret, are you still with me? Oh, thank you. Um, would you like to bring your box up, please? Thank you. Thank you. And um, would you like to give me... Thank you, Margaret. So, sit down. Thank you. So she's given me a key. And I find that sometimes people will give to me something, a word, a picture, and it's like a key to a situation. It's a key to unlock something. It could be, you know, sometimes you've got a problem and you don't know the way, but then somebody gives a picture, a key, and it opens. You can start to unlock, understand what's happening. And I've got a particular friend um, called Jane, and the number of times that she, I've talked to her and she'll see something in the spirit and say something to me and a scripture as well. And I'm not talking about things outside of scripture, I'm talking about something that will help us, that will fit in with the word of God. And it will be like a key that unlocks something, and it really, really is helpful. And sometimes I've found God has given me something, and... I've been able to help that other person and that's unlocked a situation in their life. And so, you know, it's really good that if we keep listening to God and he starts to speak to us and use us in that way and put this thing in our spirit, then gradually we can learn how to use this gift more and more. Now, not everybody's got the same gifts. Some people have combinations of gifts. 
But as we stay trusting God, praying, reading the word, he will help us to learn how to use it. Now these keys, or this word of knowledge, can be given to us for different reasons. As I said, it can unlock a situation. But sometimes it can be particularly for protection. Now I want to look at one or two places in the Old Testament, first of all, to see where God gave a word of knowledge to a prophet, and that then meant that the people were protected. So if anybody wants to follow, um, I'm in 2 Kings chapter 6, and it's at verses 8 to 12, and this is one of my favourite prophets, Elisha. Now he was given many amazing insights, so this is just one of them, the specific information that was given to him. So 2 Kings 6, verse 8 we start. Now the king of Aram, at Syria, was at war with Israel, again. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. The man of God, that's Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So the prophet helped the king. And, you know, amazingly, God just gave the knowledge of where the enemy army was. He just somehow gave that knowledge supernaturally to the prophet Elisha. And then he knew that he had to pass that on to the king. And so then the king fortunately acted on it and believed. And so time and time again, the king and his army were kept safe. And this was just amazing because actually the particular king at the time wasn't, wasn't a great king. So it really was a sign of God's mercy. And so, but God got the glory. So this gift given to the prophet Elisha, he handled it right, he knew who to send it to, and protection was a result, and God got all the glory. Now I'm going to tell you another story. Um, this is involving Saul, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now we sang today about one touch from the king, and we knew that we were talking about King Jesus. And originally, with the Israelites, it was God's plan that he was their king, that they would be a nation that would be set apart and that other nations would see God's dealing with them and would see that they worshipped God as their king. Whereas the nations around Israel had an earthly king, but the nation of Israel wanted to be like the other nations. They didn't treasure enough the power of God and the fact that God as king of a nation is the best king you can ever have. And for some reason they wanted a human king. They just wanted to be like the others. So there's this little story in 1 Samuel 9, which is all about how God manoeuvred Saul, who was going to be anointed as king, to meet Samuel, who was the prophet, and the prophet would have to anoint the king. 
and it all involves some lost donkeys. I love these little things in the scripture, and I, I, I did think about getting some pictures of donkeys, but or bring well, I couldn't bring one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Kish was Saul's father, and Kish had lost some donkeys, but he sent his son out with a servant to look for these donkeys. And the search went on and on for days until Saul and the servant realised that the father back home might be getting more worried about the missing son and servant than the missing donkeys. And somehow it all works out that they're trying to work out what to do next and then they hear about Samuel and they thought, well, we'll go and see Samuel the prophet because he knows these things. You know, they obviously expected that Samuel would get a word of knowledge about where they were, where they were lost or where the donkeys were or, or just how to handle the situation. But of course God wasn't going to be dealing with that. God actually was trying to get Saul and Samuel together so that Samuel could anoint Saul as being king. And there's a, a little bit um, here in 1 Samuel 9, 19, 20. And when they meet, and so Samuel says, I am the seer. And then he says, go up ahead of me to the high place. For you, today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them, they've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned? Is it not to you and your whole family line? So it's all about the next king. And God's got this way of manoeuvring people to be at the right place at the right time. And yet, these donkeys, God is still taking time to reassure Saul, who was worried about losing the donkeys, that, you know, they're found. And it's just this lovely, you know, there's the big picture and there's the little picture. And so sometimes in life, you know, we think we just must pray about big important things, which is really, really important. But then it's as if God says, yes, but I'm interested in the little things as well. Margaret. Thank you. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, you know what to do with it? Yeah, good. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> so I've got a friend. Well, more than one, but I'm very grateful. Anyway, I've got a good friend. And many, many years ago, we were praying together regularly as prayer partners. The kids were small and she'd come round and we'd pray about things. So we would pray for big issues, but we also prayed for each other. And she confided in me that she had a Baruka in her foot and that she was going to the Shropodist. So she asked me to pray, and we did. Anyway, this Veruca continued to grow, and whatever happened um, at the Shropodist, it didn't seem to work, and the Veruca got deeper and deeper, and it was in the ball of the foot, so it's getting painful to work, walk. So in the end, her surgeon said, come into hospital, and I will remove it under general anaesthetic. So I went to see her, but on the way to see her, 
all I could think about was this little piggy went to market, <laughs> this little piggy stayed at home, this little piggy had roast beef, this little piggy had none, and this little piggy cried wee 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 all the way home. And I thought, Lord, why have I got to tell this to Lynn? You know. <laughs> but it was like, you know, when you just know that you know that you've got to say something. So, <laughs> so. I talked to my friend. She said, tomorrow morning will be my operation. And I thought, well, you know, we, we agreed to pray and everything, and we chatted about things. And as it's getting towards the end of the talk, and I know I've got to go, I thought, I have got to say this right. <laughs> but the children were small at the moment, and one of the children was actually her godson. And so I managed to get the conversation round to talking about him and talking about his feet, and said the rhyme. <laughs> and then looked at her feet because they were, you know, you know when people in hospital, the toes stick out, don't they, of the, of the sheet quite often. And so I looked and suddenly I looked down at her toes and I tapped them and I said, I bless these toes in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then I went. So she had the operation the following day. <laughs> And then she wanted very quickly to get in touch with me. I don't think she stayed in long. She said, Christine, I have to tell you, it is so good that you prayed for my toes. She said, the surgeon, after she'd had the operation, the surgeon came and he said, he stood at me and he said, you are a very lucky woman. He said, I almost had to re remove two of your toes in the surgery, but I managed to do the surgery. And this was a Veruca, remember. Um, I managed to save your toes and so you have got five toes though the foot was bandaged up you've got five toes and as soon as he said that she just knew why I had to say the rhyme because a parent you know delights in the fact that their children has got five little toes it's it's just it's what a parent delights and father God wanted her to keep on living with five toes on each feet he did not want her to lose two toes. It's very difficult to walk and do things if you lose toes. Really, really difficult. And it just made me realise how God is interested in the little things. And he, to get that bit of knowledge into me, it, it was a bit unusual the way he did it. But he managed to get it. And just at the right moment, I blessed the toes. You know, and that's really what he wanted me to do. Because what is blessed, nobody can curse and so those toes were blessed and so when I read about the donkeys I think that's a little example of God being interested in a family and things that happen in a family even though it was against the backdrop of the whole nation of Israel so that's really interesting so you see now why yes I'll have it back later thank you and sometimes, you know, you can feel that we should visit a friend. And um, there are, you know, that's a small incident. And sometimes God is just wanting us to use that gift in a, a natural way. And I often think that we need to learn to be natural in the way we use supernatural gifts. Because we don't want us to be all funny and spooky about things. It's, we, we have to learn to use it in a natural way. Jesus was the most wonderful communicator with people and he could just get talking to people and there's a time in John 4 where people sometimes say that he used a word of knowledge 
in a situation when he met the woman at the well. You know the story in John 4 where Jesus and his disciples um, go and they meet a Samaritan woman and she's at the well and they've gone off to buy the food and he gets talking to her and he just has this wonderful way of engaging her starting to talk about water asking her to give him a drink and then giving getting her into this wonderful conversation and actually starting to talk about spiritual water but in a part of all of this he says to her go call your husband and come back I have no husband she replied Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So Jesus is acting, is operating in the word of knowledge. You know, he had the spirit without measure. And she said, sir, the, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, sometimes people talk about this woman and they imagine that she's a very immoral character that have got through so many men. (laughs) (laughs) And most people sort of put that. But um, I I was reading up about this a few years ago and I read that actually the fact she'd had so many husbands it would probably have been the male man who had given her a certificate of divorce and sent her away. And the reason he may well have done that was that each time, you know, somebody had married her and she hadn't born a child, she was perhaps barren. And so she had been a disappointment to all these men. She probably was quite attractive and they thought, oh, we'll have her. But then she didn't produce any offspring and so they gave her a certificate of divorce and sent her away. Now, that is possibly truth. I don't know. But if that was the case, think about the emotional pain and suffering that she would have gone through. Um, Margaret? that um, she would have felt Um, and I just think that when Jesus spoke to her when Jesus spoke to her he can't have spoken to her in a condemning way because her response to him was well I see you're a prophet it wasn't oh you're just like all the rest and blame me you know he must have spoken to her in a really gracious loving way and somehow her, out of this encounter, she actually comes to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. And something wonderful happens in her life. And from then on, I do believe there was a deep comfort in her. And you know, the Lord wants to bring comfort to people. Um, he wants us to know and to help other people who are distressed. So that's why Margaret just gently went over and gave some tissues to somebody over there. And the Lord knows what's in people's hearts. Um, And we do have to be so careful that if we get an impression about something, that we're really careful about how we go and help somebody. I know once, many years ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, some awful things happened to me. And I felt really, really bad. 
And I didn't know quite why to, um, I dreamt this because it never happened. And I didn't really feel that God was warning me it was going to happen to me. But the emotions I felt were very, very deep in the dream. And I, that was, it was a Sunday morning. I woke up and in the evening I went to a church meeting. And suddenly I found I was sitting and talking to somebody who I knew who they were, but I didn't know them closely. And there, it was, there was opportunity for people to pray for one another near the end of the service. And suddenly this woman just began to open up to me and share one or two really deep, deep hurts. And as she talked about these hurts, I could never have experienced that in my life before. It was a different thing that she'd had. But I'd had this dream and I suddenly realised that what I had dreamt matched up with this lady and therefore I was feeling the pain I'd felt the pain in my dream so I had an empathy to pray with her I didn't tell her I'd had this dream obviously it's pointless but I had an empathy and an understanding of how to speak to her that God had given me that not that knowledge of how she felt and so that um, she actually was helped by the little interaction we had and I believe that God helped her because he loved her so much. He knew what was happening in her life. You know, she was a lovely Christian, but to be having what was going on in her life was just dreadful. And as I've seen her over the years, and I know that the Lord has restored her, but he, it was a real gift that he gave me that understanding of how she felt and somehow enabled me to help her. But she, she never needed to know that it was um, a gift from God. It was just naturally done. So there's different ways. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can give a word of knowledge that then, if handled right, can bring great comfort to somebody. Sometimes a word of knowledge can open up conversation and it can be really powerful in evangelism. And that was part of what Jesus was doing with the woman at the well. Sometimes it can be useful, as I say, to reassure somebody that they are precious in God's eyes and even though lots of other things are going on around the Lord has his eye on them and sometimes the word of knowledge can be given for a very important reason to protect people or protect a person but great wisdom you know is um, needed when we do these things example she just moves so graciously around and the Holy Spirit does lead us and just he he's so good to us and um, so Lydia <laughs> he's smiling so you can come forward sometimes you know we have a gift given to us of something we can share and it's a very private thing. But there are times when you can be in a meeting and the Holy Spirit gives somebody a very distinctive revelation and they realise they need or they think they need to share it in the wider group to actually come up the front. And then, this is why Margaret went to Phil, because she went to check that Phil was in agreement and he smiled um, because there are things that if you're going to say something publicly from the front you've got to be sure 
that it's in order and that the person in authority in the congregation has given their blessing. And so, for instance, occasionally you might be in a meeting and somebody has a word of knowledge that somebody perhaps has a frozen shoulder, for instance. Um, so this is representing that. And that God wants to heal them. So occasionally, you know, there'll be a word of knowledge about an ailment and that God wants to heal them. And so that might be a thing. Or it could be um, a word of knowledge of something more concerning. And um, I use this here as an example of bandaging. You know, Jesus sent, said, um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And he's, up, it's up, he's upon us to bind up the brokenhearted. And sometimes it could be a message like that. There's different things that might be presented from the front, but only when we're actually sure that the person in authority, thank you, is happy and um, tested it. Um, and I've not got a lot of experience in this, but I do remember a long time ago having a very clear word for a church. And God showed me something that had happened in the church um, between 1979 and 1981. I was absolutely sure it was in that window of time. And I knew some inspiration, some revelation about something that had been happening in the church at that time. And I also felt, perhaps more in a prophetic way, that God was having a word for people in that day. And so I went to the leader of the church, um, leading the meeting, and quietly shared what I had. And he he had been in the church at 1979 to 1981 so he, and he knew I had definitely not been in the church or in Maidstone at that time um, and so he gave me some advice how to present what I felt the Lord had said and then he, he brought me up on stage, he said Christine's got a word and he said to me I'm backing you as you give it which was lovely um, and I gave this word and I so part of it was this revelation of what had been happening in those years and afterwards really interesting because some people came up to me and said I can tell you you would not have known but that was definitely happening in the church in that time and so it's just amazing how God put something supernatural a revelation in but great fortunately I had a really good leader who you know backed me but I was wise enough also to give me a bit of advice how to present it and when in the meeting, you know. So when God, God gives these gifts, we just need to learn um, how to work with it. And I found a really good thing is to write down in my prayer journal what God is saying. Um, if I have a dream or scriptures or things like that and then look over them. And it's really interesting way because you can't remember everything, but you're writing things down. It's very, very helpful. Can you remember my present at the beginning? Yeah. yeah, what was my present? An empty box. An empty box, yes. Well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, my one, it was a big empty box, wasn't it? I was given for my birthday. It's not, that's a small box. <laughs> so, my big empty box was given to me by my friend for my birthday, the one with the toes, I should say, all the toes. <laughs> and so this empty box, she had given it to me specially to put my prayer journals in. So there was a reason, you see. But as I said, that is one viewpoint, one aspect of what the gift of the word of knowledge could be viewed as. 
but we could view it slightly differently. So, um, Scott has... He's now allowed to look inside. Just have a little look inside. <laughs> yeah? Right. Thank you very much. And I might ask you to read that in a minute. So he's got a little piece of coal across and... By grace through faith. Okay, thank you. So, and I should also say that on the, on the top of my box that my friend gave to me was written, by grace, through faith. And the thing is that sometimes um, when you look up and you read about the word of knowledge, many um, theologians will say that it, actually the word of knowledge is tied up with teaching. And it's to do with receiving the word of knowledge of God, a greater knowledge of God that you can then pass on. And I think it's a bit like a miner. You know, when the miners find coal, and then they realise that actually there is a great seam of coal. And I've found sometimes in life, I've had it or I've seen other people get it, they, that suddenly into their spirit gets a fresh revelation of some truth in Scripture. So for me, I think what really transformed my life a few years ago was this by grace through faith. And so you, you find that God puts into you a, a fresh revelation of something in Scripture, not outside Scripture, in Scripture. I've got the cross to remind me. It'll always tie in with Jesus and the cross because the cross is wisdom to us, isn't it? And I found that in my spirit God has put something and then over time it's as if you keep mining and you find more coal but somehow you find more and more understanding and you can teach more and more on a particular subject because God has opened up your eyes to a fresh revelation. And so my friend who had been in a group I led knew that by grace through faith was something I was always on about, you know, God's grace to us. We don't deserve things. You know, when I said about that king being protected, he wasn't that good a king, but by God's grace, because God had a covenant, he kept blessing, he gave him a prophet to protect him. And God is so good to us. And so... <laughs> God is so good to us, and it's all grace. And we don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve so much of what we get. But Jesus died on the cross. And if we put our faith in his grace, we are saved. And so there is this other view that over time, the understanding of scripture, the gift of knowledge, of a deepening knowledge of truth that's in the Bible, can then be given out to other people in teaching and surely this would then answer the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1 he says I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I can remember the first time I heard that read or spoken on in a church. It was, I don't know, 35 years ago. 
And I can remember beginning to get a glimpse of what Paul was writing about. And over the years, God's been answering that prayer. The eyes of my heart have been opening up. And that is his prayer for all of us, that the eyes of our heart open up to know how great God is. He's great in the big things. He's great because he sent Jesus to die for us so we can have our sins forgiven, so we can have eternal life, so that we can have the joy of the Spirit in our lives. But he's also interested in the little things like the toes and the stonkies. And God is so great. And so I hope that what I've shared with you today has encouraged you. And, you know, if you feel the Lord is leading you, giving you things, write it down. Find somebody you trust and talk about and pray about it with them. It's a, it's a lifetime of learning. And the Lord wants us to learn to walk by his spirit. No, you don't. Okay. But, all right. Thank you. Okay. okay. Should we pray then? I was meant to nod over there, you see, at the end. Okay. Well, let's draw together and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, I just thank you that we can trust you in the big things of life, but we can trust you in the little things of life as well. We thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to work together and operate in the gifts in a way that brings you glory, in a way that builds up one another. Thank you, Lord, that your heart of love, your your heart is so full of grace towards us. And I pray in this week, Lord, that we would just be encouraged to keep holding on, walking by faith, receiving your grace fresh each day. In Jesus' name, amen. I think he's winning. Thank you, Christine. And thank you for everybody who's taken part in the service today, whether it's been behind the scenes or up front. Thank you for all of that. And what what I should have said earlier on, and I didn't, is that there is jam and marmalade, I think, at the back, um, up at the by the entrance of the church. If anybody would like some, um, Beryl has brought it up, and it's donations, isn't it, Beryl? Yeah, so any donations for that. And just as you all know, if anybody would like prayer at the end of the service, it is available. And so the closing prayer today at our harvest service. Lord of the harvest, we thank you for all who who have worked on land and sea to provide our daily food. We remember our farmers and our fishermen and those in other parts of the world who have planted the seed and tended the crop and the fruits of their labor we enjoy. Grant that they may receive justice, a fair return for their labour, and a hope for the future with climate justice and political stability. We pray for those who package and deliver our foods, for shopkeepers and restaurateurs, for those concerned with the nation's health and for others, and that we may shop wisely and with thought for others. Amen. Amen. Time to stop the tables and chairs, and as I said, prayers available if you want. And don't forget to look at the marmalade and jams, um, and there's other things available on the side if you're interested in any of the events we discussed earlier. Thank you.